This episode of the podcast is brought to you by eventually getting a real sponsor. But until then, come in a can. Take it wherever you go. It's come in a can. Yeah, but the doctor said... Listen, I know what I'm doing. You know, the only place I get hurt is out there. The world don't give a shit about me. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Roll the Credit, the podcast, the only podcast that kicked out of the Ram Jam. I'm Zach. <laughs> and I'm Frank. And today we are here to talk about The Wrestler. Yes, we are. I have never seen this movie before. This, uh, this yeah, podcast. I, I kind of figured that. And I was just like, this is such a Zach movie. Well, the thing is, is because, you know, like I'm a, I'm a big wrestling fan. Yeah. So when this originally came out. I was still like deep into wrestling, believing that like it wasn't scripted and it was real. Yeah. So I was like, what was that? That was 2008. Eight. So, <laughs> so I was 17. <laughs> I, I was still pretty old. <laughs> and I was like, I don't want to believe it. I don't want to watch like yeah. all the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, I just want to yeah. enjoy the product. Uh huh. And my parents were like, you would love this. Like, it's so awesome. I was like, nah, nah. Can't That's surprising do it. that your parents wanted you to see this movie. Because they hate it's, me. Well, well <laughs> because <laughs> no. it's not. It's not. I mean, it's a wrestling movie, but it I is. mean, it's a heavy movie. Oh yeah, there's a lot of boobs too. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Um, I guess we'll get into who's in it first, and then we'll talk about her boobs. Yeah. All right. <laughs> it's so, so weird seeing. <laughs> so today we are doing the wrestler, which came out in 2008, directed by Darren Aronofsky. Mm-hmm. You have your main cast as Mickey Rourke who plays Randy the Ran Robinson. You have Marissa Tomei, who plays Cassidy, his love interest, kind of. Yep. You have Evan Rachel Wood, who plays Stephanie, his daughter. You have Mark Magolis, who isn't really shown in it, but he's a pretty big name, mm. and he's one of the... I think when I was like looking up this movie, he's the only actor who shows up in all of... Um, Arnofsky's films. Yeah. So he plays Lenny, the landlord. Lenny, and then, the landlord. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then you have Ernest Miller, who plays Bob, a.k.a. the Ayatollah, which, weirdly enough, he is a wrestler. Oh, is he? So <laughs> Ernest Big Cat Miller was a wrestler for a little while in WWE, I want to say, like, in the 50s? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I don't I'm think bullshit. it was the 50s. <laughs> it, it was during the time of, like, Hulk Hogan and, like, Just not Roddy Roddy. I don't know time frames. <laughs> 80s? <laughs> 70s? Yeah, I think it was, like, in the 80s. Yeah, we'll go with the 1950s. 70s. <laughs> we'll go with the 30s just to be on the same side. <laughs> so, Frank, what is this movie about? Oh, boy. Uh, again, a heavy movie. Uh, both of our movies th- this week are pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, just Arnowski films in general tend to be heavier movies. Um, and it's basically about a, I don't want to call him a has-been, but a, a faded wrestler, I guess I would call yeah. him, who was in the limelight, in the, prime of, in, in the prime of his career, and then just kind of slowly faded out. Mm-hmm. And then you're just kind of put into his life and where he is now. And he's doing like bullshit arenas at like i don't they don't really go into like exactly where it is but it's kind of like i remember when i was a kid i remember they like ray mysterio came to like a local school here yeah and they like emptied out like the gym and like put like a ring in there and i was like wow this is so cool like oh my god i'm seeing like all these wrestlers because like i used to be into wrestling when i was a kid and now like looking like watching this film you're like this, this is exactly what happened. This is exactly what happened. Like, I saw this. Like, I met Jerry the King Lawler. Got, like, his autograph and all that. And, like, but he was just, like, at my... Lo- it was just, like, really weird. And, yeah. like, then now, like, when you watch this film and you're seeing, like, 
the wrestlers who end up doing this kind of thing are the ones who are kind of like fading out and the ones who don't really have a career and are struggling for money and and you know in this movie he's working a normal like retail day job mm-hmm. like Monday through Friday and then this is kind of just like a weekend thing but it's his passion and and yep. he and he loves it so much but he's also just trying to like re- reignite those golden years and he's trying to relive those those you know back in his prime and he's just not there anymore and that's kind of the base of the film there's a lot more to it with you know he has family problems going on with his daughter and drug addiction and you know all that type of jazz but you know, at the core of this movie is really about a man who is a faded wrestler who is struggling, I think, with realizing that he's too old to be doing this. Yeah, and you know what, man? Like, Mickey Rourke played a fantastic job. Well, this was kind of like the comeback movie for Mickey Rourke, so I'm not sure, like, how familiar you are with him, but, like... He, he did he, boxing for a little while. Yeah, he? he ended up becoming, like, a boxer, and then, like, his face... Because, like, back in, like, the 90s, like, Rourke was kind of, like, the shit. Yeah. And then... And then he just was like, I'm going to become a boxer because like he started like fade out a little bit, like, you know, in, in his acting career. So he, then he became a boxer and then he got like just messed up. And when he when then when he decided that he wanted to come back to acting, his face was all fucked mm-hmm. up. So then he got a bunch of plastic surgery and then he looked even worse. <laughs> and then and, you know, and this was kind of like his comeback movie It's mm-hmm. similar to like Travolta and Pulp Fiction, where yeah. it's like Tra- Travolta was just like dead, like like not doing From anything. From Greece to Pulp Fiction, <laughs> nothing happened. <laughs> uh, um, so, you know, there it, it just really was like Mickey Rourke's comeback film. And this movie, I think the reason as to why he plays it so well is because this kind of was his real life. Yeah. Just a different profession, you know? And I think that this movie really hit home for him. And I'm so glad that he did it because I really like Mickey Rourke. I do too. Uh, and I remember like, I never actually ended up seeing the movie, but I, re- I think it was Spider-Man. Where he oh. played like a villain and no, he no, had like no. those like um, electric whips. That was uh, Iron, Iron Man, Man too. He played. I didn't Lash. see that, but it looked fucking cool and like he okay. and and he looked like a really like dope villain. But I don't know how that actually played out. I didn't see the movie. I never saw any of the Iron Man films except for like half of the first one. I was like, this is stupid. <laughs> I hate this. Well, origin stories always. Oh, suck. so boring. I was I like, fuck this. But um, anyway, really like Mickey Rourke in this movie. He's so good. I do too. And what I really loved about like how Arnofsky did this film was the entire film looks like it's a documentary of just following Robinson like yeah. everywhere. It's yeah. just following him through his life. And like showcasing like what he goes through. Yeah, and it does very, it very much does have like that documentary esque kind of vibe to mm-hmm. it. Like the way that he, those like kind of like the the camera movements where he's like just following him around, and you yeah. can tell that it's like handheld cam. It's you know it, but like there's something up, like it, it works to its benefit. You mm-hmm. know, like I think that that is like the aesthetic of the film. Like fucking Lars von Trier with that. What was that movie that we did with the depression and all oh, that? Melancholia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Melancholia, like. That one just we we've already said this, but like that one just <laughs> didn't feel like authentic. Like that one felt like the the shaky cam and all that, yeah. just because he wanted it to make it feel like it was artsy. And this movie is artsy. Is actually like <laughs> you know like this is you know very much like it feels like a more like independent style movie. So like those camera movements and the shakiness of it and the plot of the film, mm-hmm. it all just works together really cohesively. That's why, like, I mean, I I honestly like came really close to just crying uh, yeah pulling my (laughs) eyes out because like when you get to the point where after he's had the heart attack Mm -hmm. and after he's told by 
the doctor. the doctor that he shouldn't be wrestling anymore. Yeah. And, like, he can go back to the gym, but he can't go too hard on it. Yeah. And he goes to the, I want to say, like, little, like, civic center type situation. Mm-hmm, yeah. And he's doing, like, autographs. And there's all of, like, four people that show up. And he's yeah. just looking around the room at old wrestlers that are, are like tr- Like, yeah, way past their prime trying to, like, sell videos and stuff like yeah. of them in their prime and they're all just so broken like they like the, one of dude ha- i think one guy has like a missing leg one mm-hmm. like you see like the canes the crutches dudes in like wheelchairs and it's just again like i think like for me because it's like i had that experience like mm-hmm. my dad took me to one of those and as a kid i was like man this is really cool but then like watching this movie and it really like shines a light on just how fucking like depressing it really is and just how sad of a life it really does become if you don't after after your wrestling career is done it's like if you don't find something else or you like you know like the king did it well where it's like he then became an announcer right or like ufc fighters after they retire, some of them become like announcers, like Michael Bisping and, you know, whatever. Like, they, they just become like, they're still in it, but they're just not getting their heads beaten in anymore and stuff yeah. like that, right? Like, w- there isn't really much, I guess, for a wrestler. Um, there, there kind of is. There's a lot of them nowadays with what they do is when they realize, like, okay, I can't do something like this anymore, they either become commentators right. like Jerry Lawler or... What they do is they work they work behind the scenes with like either training new talent or mm, yeah. working like the lighting and everything like that or setting up like storylines like writing yeah, yeah, writing yeah. out stories yeah for and them. like that's cool that's really good yeah. I don't know I guess it's just like one of those things where you know like look this movie definitely like is I think in my opinion kind of similar to what we were talking about with Robert Eggers is the lighthouse like I think that this movie does really try to weigh down on like the toxic masculinity aspect of of men mm-hmm. and how like he is just so stuck on him in his prime like the only thing that he talks about like when he when Marissa Tomei is introduced and she's like giving him that lap dance and all he's doing is just talking about he's like you know back in 93 I had this fight back in 84 I had this fight and like you know all all he can do and all that he cares about is looking back in the past of all of those fights of when he when he was the shit and it's just no longer that case and like you can tell that like Mickey Rourke's character doesn't have that type of mentality to just become a trainer or a wrestler because like or I mean or a trainer or a writer or working behind the scenes like that's just not who he is like he is so stuck in being in the limelight and being someone that is like praised and loved and going into the ring and and he's a showman that's really what he is you know and you know when you start when he's in like the locker room and 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 the one guy like that big fucking dude yeah. is like giving him all the drugs and he's like I got this I got this I got this and Mickey Rourke just literally takes it all yeah like, like he just buys it all because it's literally just like painkillers steroids yeah anything else yeah it, just it, keep him going just to keep him going and you're just like man like this is just so unhealthy like mm-hmm. mentally like he's just in a in a in a place where he is so broken and he is just so just again just trying to hang on to the past although he looks fucking phenomenal he does he looks very fit not so much when he's working out really but like yeah that well, one scene where like uh, he's curling the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the bicep curls yeah. but like 
everything else, he looks great. Mm-hmm. And then even so, like you said, with just trying to like reclaim that old style of him, like he's dying his hair like every week, mm-hmm. just so in that way it stays the blonde. Yeah. And something that I thought was really cool too was um, I don't know if you know the the wrestler Rowdy Roddy Piper. Of course, yeah. When he went to go see this, he broke down crying at the end of it because it is so surreal to what happens to the wrestlers after they fade out in the limelight. Yeah. Like, they literally... And I've seen stuff, too, where it's, like, people that were around the times of, like, Hulk Hogan and everything like that, like, big names, and they're doing, like, these weird indie shows, and literally it's stuff where it's, like, do whatever you want. I saw one where it was, like, I forgot his name, like, Atlas. He was in one match and they were like okay what we're gonna do is you're gonna pay me a little bit extra but we're actually gonna punch each other Mm. and it's like jesus christ (laughs) like you had like this woman that like just beat the shit out of him and i'm like oh my god (laughs) like this is horrible (laughs) yeah 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 i mean it's so just surreal to watch because like i remember like the the uh, the match between obviously I wasn't around at the time, but like watching it when I was a kid when my dad showed it to me, like Mankind versus uh, oh, the Undertaker, Undertaker when the they're like, yeah, I mean, oh like, god, like you realize that like Mick Foley is just so broken, yeah. like and and the the that look at the end of the day, like wrestling, especially nowadays, mm-hmm. has is very different than like back in back yeah. in that time. And it was very much like, you know, the, the similar thing. Cause like, I remember my dad telling me like the whole deal with like how they would hide razor blades in their, mm-hmm. in their, um, you know, in their wrappings on yeah, their wrists and, and stuff. And I love that they actually Yeah. And they that. show you that. And, and you know, the, I remember watching, I think you and I kind of grew up right on that cusp or like, like they were still kind of willing to do some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I remember ECW. Yeah. Where like that was the more, original yeah, ECW. Yeah. 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 That and was then the like stuff. And then, you know, it slowly became more of like a soap opera. Mm-hmm. And, you know, watching these guys like, you know, uh, throw like tacks down on the uh, on the on the uh, ring and then mm-hmm. and, and, like land on them. Like, that's all real. Yeah. And I don't know because I haven't watched wrestling in God knows how many years. But like, I don't know if they do that type of stuff anymore. But like, I feel like it, if they do, it's probably a rarity. And it's probably more of like a like a special event type deal. Like, that's not like your day to day type of matches. And they definitely don't, like, fucking slice their foreheads open and stuff anymore. Like, that's just not, like, what they do. So, having, you know, your main character in this film be from that era Mm -hmm. and coming into, like, kind of, like, the new wave, but then just still being, like, not doing, like, the big budget stuff. So, so they're still kind of in that gritty type of wrestling. Yeah. I mean, it's just, like, God, you guys are just breaking your bodies here and, like, just destroying yourselves. Like, I mean, it, and, look, you you know, like, how dark it can get. Like, obviously, the Eddie Guerrero story mm-hmm. and the Chris Benoit and all that type of steel. Like, the, this shit, like, can get real dark real, like, quickly. If, Absolutely. If you're just abusing drugs and, and all that type of stuff, you know? And that's why, too, like, there was, like, a couple of really cool, like, Easter egg things for someone like me who is a wrestling, wrestling fan. Yeah. So, like, even so, when the Ram ends up doing the one match with that really gross guy, the, like, yeah. the hardcore match. Yeah. So, his name is Necro Butcher. Okay. So, he works for a company called CCW. 
Okay. Which is where they actually wrestled in in the movie. Mm-hmm. And CCW is the most insane thing I've ever watched <laughs> besides like Japanese death matches. Yeah. So this is a company that thrives on hey, you like DCW and like how hardcore shit was? Well, we're going to turn it up 10 more notches. Jesus. And they take like the the fluorescent light tubes and like break it over their heads yeah. almost every match. <laughs> and it's just like, oh my God. Like watching that, like with the staple gun, I'm yeah. like, oh my God, this is what they actually do in this company. And yeah. it's fucking insane. Yeah. And then you have like some cool stuff too where it's like Ron the Truth Killings was like in one of the matches like after the Ram decides like, hey, I'm going to retire. Mm-hmm. And he just goes to see like the wrestling match. Yeah. The, the one guy that he walks up to is an actual wrestler yeah. who worked for multiple companies and now is in the WWE. And then you also have, at the very end, Ring of Honor, which is a company that's still going strong. And he was getting ready right in front of another wrestler who at the time was Claudio, who mm-hmm. is now Cesaro in WWE. Gotcha. So it, yeah. when, for me, like as a wrestling yeah, yeah, fan, yeah, yeah. I'm watching that and I was like, wow, that's really cool touches that Arnofsky did where it brings like an element of realism to the film. Well, look, that's, I think where Arnofsky like shines in yeah. is like a lot of his films, except for like mother, like, but even that mm-hmm. is based in reality. But like, you know, all of his films just for the most part, just feel like so real and again they're always dark like they're never mm-hmm. really like happy movies so like it's just they're they're just so tough to watch sometimes yeah but they're just such great films like if i if we did like a top 10 list of our directors instead of a top five like arnofsky probably would have been like my number six mm-hmm. because almost every film that he's ever made I, in my opinion i think arnofsky has made one bad film in his whole career mother no, <laughs> I think that's actually borderline masterful. But um, Noah, he made him. He made a movie oh, called Noah. Oh, that's right. He did and, do that. Oh, like uh, this is bad. The, this is the fourth Arnowski film that I've seen. Because okay. we've, we've done Mother. I've seen Black Swan. I've seen this now, and I've seen Requiem for a Dream. Right. So he makes really great. He's films. so good. He's so good. And something that I want to touch on too, really quick, is uh, the deli scene. Oh my god, it's so, so fucking funny! But it's like, so it's so funny when like he. So I don't know if you knew, but that was all improv. No, I didn't. Yeah. So Arnowski actually had Mickey Rourke go to a deli counter so they could shoot the scene. Yeah. And they got like some of the footage of like actors coming by to get stuff. Yeah. And then more people didn't know, so they just kept coming up to the counter. Yeah. And Arnowski was like, "Just roll with it, do yeah, it." Yeah, yeah. So like that whole scene of him, like you know taking the the fruit salad and like being like hey man go long go yeah, long yeah, yeah. and then it's and like the yeah touch down like, go cowboys <laughs> yeah like that's all just mickey roar yeah and i thought that was like a really cool thing too because as i'm watching it like this is when he's borderline thinking about retiring yep and he ends up kind of liking it for a little bit i don't know if i would call it that he likes it i think that he enjoys himself I, no i don't even know if it's really that i think it, it's more of like just he is just like, he's the type of guy that tries to make the best out of everything, mm-hmm. you know? Cause like one thing that I absolutely love about the, about his character is like, you know, look, we're, we're a lot of this movie's heavy and like, there is that aspect of it for sure. But like, there's also like just a lot of good things that happen in this film, like mm-hmm. the rekindling of, of his, of his relationship. And although that doesn't end very well with his daughter, yeah. there still is like him trying. 
there's and, that really emotional scene when they're on the pier. Yeah, and we'll get to that. But like you know, like he's just one of those characters that like he he's always just trying to like better himself because you know he's just broken and old and just by himself at this point and he's and he's alone and you know just trying to make the best out of a shitty situation I think because like even you know like when when they're in like the locker rooms like he's just so like you you almost would think that like because of where he is in his career he'd be like an old type like style like bitter man mm-hmm. but he's really just like. He likes talking to like the, the, the more of like the young up and comers and like encouraging them to like keep going and stuff like that. Like he's just really like there really is like that camaraderie that, that you do feel in the film. Yeah. That I that I really do uh really really like about his character. But you know the whole thing of like him behind the deli and all that. Like uh, yeah, I feel like for me it was more just like he's just trying to make the best out of like a shitty situation. Like he knows that he's not what he this isn't what he wants to be doing at all. But he's just trying to like have some type of enjoyment out of it. I know. And then there was a really great shot, like, before he came out that I absolutely loved. Oh, right, when he's walking down, yeah. And you hear, like, the crowd crowd. chanting, and he gets to, like, the the little entranceway into the deli, and you hear the crowd just pumping up more, Mm -hmm. and then when he walks through, it's just silent. It's silent, and then he just washes his hands. Like, it's so just... Yeah, that's a really, really like phenomenal, just like sequence. It's I, I really, really like that one a lot too. I, I think it's one of the best sequences in the film. Yeah, to me. yeah. And then another thing too is that like he almost, well, no, he does refuse to be called his real name. Like he wants to be called Randy. Yeah. Because he wants to be remembered as a hero. He wants to be known as the wrestler. Right. He wants to be known for what he's famous for and yeah. not just the man. Right. And then, when, but then when somebody calls him out, it's like, Oh, Hey man, are you, are you him? And then he's like, no, no, not me, not me. Because like he, you know, he wants to be idolized, but then he also doesn't want anybody to see him where he's at. Yeah. He want again, he it's just always in the past. Like he wants to be idolized and remembered for like what he was. Mm-hmm. And he, and he's just constantly fighting with himself to get back to that point. And that's why he punches the deli cutter and fucking slices up his thumb. Yeah. Nice and good. I remember seeing that before I ever watched this movie and I was like, "Wow, fuck." <laughs> but I was under the impression that like he fucked up and accidentally Oh, no, no, yeah, yeah. And not just straight up punched it. <laughs> And let that happen so he could quit. Yeah, you know, this movie also really hit home for me because of the simple fact that, like, I used to work in retail mm-hmm. and how and I fucking hated it. And, like, his store manager, mm-hmm. it was, like, such, like, a store manager that we used to have yeah. that when you and I worked together. Except we didn't, like, knock on his door and he was watching porn. I, but you know what? Like, <laughs> maybe it, it, it probably maybe. was happening. Like, like, it's just such, like, the guy was just such a dick. Anybody out there got a store manager that watches porn? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah. So, like, I, I, just another, like, thing. I think, again, like, Arnofsky's just so good at, like, showing you, like, just the simple things and like the real life, just the real life truths that everybody lives. Um, and then, you know, like just him in the, the store that he's working at, just mm-hmm. shooting the shit, like hating it, whatever it is, like store manager is a fucking asshole and he hates it there. Like it was just so just like, I'm just like, God, like I feel for you, man. Like I know, I know what that used to be. Like, I know what that's like, mm-hmm. you know? And you used to be a professional wrestler. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the eighties. That's um, why, and then, um, and then fucking Cassidy, yeah, his uh, his kind of love interest, mm-hmm. um, super weird, as we said in the beginning, 
because I don't know if you know, but Marissa Tomei yeah. plays Aunt May in the new Spider-Man movies. Oh, no. So I was trying to figure out, like, where the fuck do I know her from? Oh, gotcha. And for me, it's always my cousin Vinny. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, but for me, like, seeing Aunt May and being like, wow, they picked a really young Aunt May. And then seeing this movie of her take her top off, and I was like... Wow, Aunt May really, uh, really changed some shit around for herself. <laughs> if you're looking at it from like, like the Spider-Man universe, and then like this is like what happened after. No, no, no. This is what happened before. Oh, this, is, this was her life beforehand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So she was a stripper, and then she got good and did like a different job. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's funny. Uh, yeah, I've actually done. I don't know much of her career at all. Pretty much the only thing that I know is my cousin Vinny. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's still like weird because in my cousin Vinny, she's very much like the like the Bronx type of yeah. you know like city girl and like always like chewing gum while she's while she's walking in her high heels with her wrists you know like this and yeah. and it's just like one of those she's just like one of those characters but I mean you know pretty girl she is she, pretty she pretty girl is. Um, I <laughs> but know yeah I don't know how did you feel about like the because I felt like story? yeah I felt like it was done well enough where like it didn't actually like like. I don't know. Like, for me, it was just one of those things where, like, it didn't feel like a crutch. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it didn't feel like something that Arnofsky was like, oh, we have to have a love story in here. Like, it did feel, like, more genuine in this film. Yeah, because it it really did feel like he was trying to find, like, somebody to share his life with. Yeah. And it just so happened to be the stripper that he sees almost every day. Right. But, no, I, I never felt like it was they just threw in a love story to it. No. It was definitely something where it felt like it continued the story. Yeah, because they, they never really, like, do, like, the you know, you can kind of see that, like, she kind that she does sort of like him, and then there's kind of just this always, you know, that they never, they never fully, like, I mean, they do at that bar when they kiss a little bit, but then, like, immediately it's, like, pushed yeah. back. And they also there's, suck at singing round and round. That's true. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, they just, they don't, he doesn't allow the characters to, like, cross that line to the point of just, like, this is just unbelievable. Like, yeah. I, I just, this is stupid now, you know? Like, she's very much like, you know, I'm going to push you away. I have a kid. You're not interested in me. I'll be honest. I don't even know if I'm really ready for this, blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, and then at the end when she goes and, and she and she watches or sort of watches or she sees him do that final match, yeah, you know, she, she shows up because at the end of the day she does love him, but mm-hmm. she doesn't. She, you know, she then walks away because she knows, like, what's going to happen. Yeah, and that's where I think the ending works so well, too, with him jumping off the top rope for the Ram Jam, and then the movie ends. Right. So you don't see what happens. But you know he dies. Yeah. You, In you, my, you, it, like, you are under the impression that... That he, was that was it. Like yeah, he, he has he, another heart attack from it. Yeah, and, and he just not going to recover. Like, he's, he's going to die there. Yeah, and I and, guess this movie was loosely based on Ric Flair's life, too. I don't. I don't know about that. I don't. I, I heard rumors of that, but I don't really see it. I mean, I, I just kinda, feel. I just I, feel like it doesn't really do much of like. like I kind of see it, but like I, I kind of don't. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I don't know. So I yeah, I think that like you know she walks away mm-hmm. because she knows that this match is gonna kill him. Yeah. And 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 you know you have like the great back and forth between the guy that he's wrestling with, where the, he's just like, yo man, like just pin me, like you know, like because yeah. he's like grabbing his chest and then. He's just so like adamant about like no like keep going keep going keep going keep going and the guy just like doesn't even want to fucking fight anymore like he's just like just dude just pin me like come on yeah and then you know he just keeps going and going and going and then once he jumps off the top rope you know because at that point he had his daughter 
where he where they haven't spoken in many years mm-hmm. he finally like finally like kind of like rekindles that relationship and she kind of like sort of trusts him again they they like they're hanging out a lot they're hanging out a little bit more they're talking they're opening up to one another they're having like that really i really like the scene where they where she kicks open that door and they go oh, into yeah. like that big ass like empty whatever and and like they're kind of like dancing with one another like mm-hmm. it's just like a really like sweet moment and and then he fucks it up and yeah. then she hates him again mm-hmm. So at this point, and then he, he doesn't really have that relationship with his with the, the girl that he was trying to be with. He just has nothing mm-hmm. anymore. Except the ring. Yeah, and that's it. And and I think that's kind of like I think that's kind of like the perfect phrasing for this movie is like at the end of this film, he has nothing but the ring left, and and he's gonna just you know he's gonna live and die in it, and that's, that's pretty much what it is. And for most wrestlers, that is the case. Like they will live and die by the ring. Yeah. Because that's what they love. Yeah, exactly. That's their passion. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think it's a really fantastic film. I remember. I remember when I saw it uh, for the first time back in '08. Me and my dad watched this movie together because back at that time I was probably still into wrestling. Yeah, I had to be because yeah, I was probably still like I was probably like on the cusp at that point where I was like sort of like kind of like getting over it, but you know, still kind of like every once in a while I'll poke my head and be like, "Is the Undertaker wrestling tonight?" <laughs> it's like that was what's he doing? <laughs> um, so like I remember me and my dad watched it and I don't think my dad really gravitated towards this film as mm-hmm. much as like I as I do now and or as I, I, I was just kind of like on the fence about it because however old I was, I don't remember I must have been what of thirteen, thirteen ish. Mm-hmm. Like this is not a film for a thirteen year old. Like this is no, this absolutely. is this is just not like <laughs> Especially too if you're still in love with like wrestling. Yeah, like this is just is. not the movie. But like, you know, coming in as 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 a real adult and like watching it and and being the type of person that used to watch wrestling or still does watch wrestling and, and just it really just showing you like what that life is like. I mean, it's just it's a really, really great Arnofsky film. Absolutely. And I'm glad that I watched it yeah. and I enjoyed it because it really has like a powerful message throughout it. Yeah. And it really is this heartbreaking story so just of a sad. man just <laughs> trying to rekindle what he loved. Yeah. Um, and I think that's it. Zach, you got a recommendation? I do. It goes along with this. Yay. So, wrestling stuff. Uh, so, for me, as a wrestling fan nowadays, obviously, WWE, people go back and forth with it of whether they like it or they don't like it. Personally, like Raw and SmackDown, they kind of just lost interest for me. Um, part of it is to do with like how wacky the storylines are, and part of it is to do with how long the shows are. Yeah, because right. They're like what? fucking Raw is three hours long. Jesus Christ, that's too much time. <laughs> like, and I used to be like on point, like every day that it would come out. Like, Monday night, right? Yeah, Monday night, Tuesday night for SmackDown. Um, I would I would watch it. Yeah. But once it hit three hour mark, it's like fuck. I can't get into this. Like, yeah. it's, there's too much of it. Yep. However, in WWE, the brainchild of Triple H, WWE's NXT, oh, okay, is absolutely fantastic. What where, is that? That's like the, that's kind of like the Ultimate Fighter for the UFC, right? Where it's no, like no, no, the no. up and comers. Well, kind of. So like, yeah. So NXT is the next generation. So it is training for. Yeah brand new wrestlers and then also giving them a chance to showcase who they are yeah and what i love about nxt is it builds up wrestlers in such a unique way as opposed to the main roster where it really gives them time to like shine and really gives them time to like develop a character like 
honestly, for the past two years, there has been a storyline of Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa starting out as tag team partners and then one turning on each other, one getting injured, and then coming back and starting the feud. Mm -hmm. And they've just had, like, brutal matches. And it's done so well because it takes the long-term booking technique. Yeah. Where it's setting up a storyline that can continue for years and you're still involved. Right, Which is something that the main roster does not like to do. Mm Mm-hmm. But you have, like, great wrestlers, and it showcases more of the wrestling side and less of the storyline side. Yeah. So you're falling in love with these characters because of how they are as a character and how they wrestle. Yeah. And honestly, like, for their pay-per-views, too, there very rarely is matches on the card where I'm like, I'm not really interested in one of the guys or I'm not really interested in one of the girls. Gotcha. But for the most part... I'm fucking in it for yeah, yeah, every yeah. single match. Yeah. And especially now, like, with building up people like Shotzi Blackheart, Dexter Loomis, um, Damian Priest. Like, these guys are going to be, like, heavy hitters in the future. Yeah. And I don't want them to leave because I worry about them on the main roster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, like, just, like, getting, like, you know, just ruining your characters, yeah, kind it's of. Yeah, it's happened too many times, and I get scared from it. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's always shitty. You don't. it's kind of, like, interesting, though, when, when, you, when you're, like... I don't know, because at the end of the day, like, the characters that they are creating is all, like, pretend, right? It's all, like, mm-hmm. make-believe. So I do find it kind of, I don't know if I would say comedic, but it, sh- it does seem a little strange when it's, like, when you're, like, 28 years old and you're, like, I need to make a persona about <laughs> myself. And, and then, like, you're just, it's because it's all just fake. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. But there, I think- there, There's some weirdness to, like, you, oh, yeah. you, you, you have to be invested in that world and just be willing to like just give it like give yourself to it in order to just be like fine with it you know well i mean that's why like there are some weird ones where it's like remember the, the boogeyman yeah you just the, come out like eating worms it's just like you created this guy well, like, now the, <laughs> the new hotness is bray wyatt who um his whole gimmick is that he is a children's um molester he's a uh he's a children's like talk show host where he it's the almost most like mr rogers kind of almost like actually yeah mr rogers where like he comes in and he's like hey kids how are you and adds in like sound effects and everything like that yeah but then he's like oh i also have this dark side and then it's the fiend and it's literally he comes out with like this clown outfit and like this crazy mask that looks like it's ripped skin mm-hmm. and it's like all right, I see where you're going with this. <laughs> but he embraces both sides of the character. Yeah. And then you have other things where it's like, here's male models. <laughs> and it's like, well, yeah. you got to embrace that. Yeah, yeah. But like, so it's strange. how you embrace it that yeah. makes it work. It's so strange. There's even somebody in NXT, Velveteen Dream, who his gimmick is literally he's Prince. Oh, okay, yeah. And it works. It fucking works. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, cool, great. Um, so our next film to... Just keep on the, the keep pouring on the sadness mm-hmm. uh, is going to be Requiem for a Dream. Uh, two Arnofsky films in one week. Arnofsky week. Arnofsky week. I was gonna say Arnofsky August, but like by the time that this is coming, <laughs> yeah, it's probably not, it's not, not August be. anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So look forward to that. If you haven't seen it, please do go watch it. I highly recommend it so you can come in and enjoy the conversation. I definitely feel like Requiem for a Dream is a movie that you really don't want to uh, watch don't, you twice. Don't, well, no. It's not a movie that you don't want to watch twice. It's a movie that you don't want to be like 
have no clue of like what you know like yeah. us describing like stuff is just not gonna like give this movie what it really deserves like this mm. is a fucking crazy ass movie that really needs to be viewed and then and then you can come back and join the conversation it's rough yeah um all right so zachary please take us out all right guys thank you for listening now frank ding 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 roll the credits <laughs>